Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast for WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to continue on with investigation by Chuck Carlson. This is a very interesting piece here. It's a continuation of the Israeli bond issues that Chuck has been investigating. And the more Chuck finds out, the more interesting this story is getting. And today's report by Chuck is a small country, big trouble, not Cyprus, Israel. Now, as most people know, they've heard about the financial troubles in the island country of Cyprus. It's lining up with the Greeks and the Irish and the Italians and the Spaniards and so forth. And so they're in a very catastrophic situation. Banks have been closed. But we're talking about Israel and its sales of I-bonds in dollar denomination. Leslie, would you read the report for us, and then we'll be discussing it afterwards. Posted by Charles E. Carlson, March 24, 2013. Worldwide, stock and bond markets are convulsing over reports of financial failure in Cyprus, the little island that looks like a turtle with its long neck pointing at Turkey, a chip off the European Union, bitterly divided ethnically by warring factions. Its insolvent government and failing banks have anxious and hopeless depositors lining up at ATM machines all night long. Cyprus is a land of frozen assets and fear. Depositors can only say of the bankers, why did I trust their words? A few miles east on the Mediterranean shore is Tel Aviv, where it is business as usual. Israel was just honored by a visit from the U.S. president. Israel's secretly indebted banking system funds a militaristic economy that boasts of power but leaks at every seam. It is the consummate actor feigning prosperity while it hovers on the brink of national financial suicide. Much like Cyprus, Israel is deeply dependent on tourist money for its day-to-day existence. It borrows with little future capacity to pay back except by borrowing more. Israel is an economic fantasy. It lacks natural resources, water, or arable land. Yet Israel has chosen to weigh itself down by a giant military machine bigger and more costly than countries many times its size. What keeps Israel going? Will it ever go belly up like Cyprus? Israel is near becoming a three-time loser. It counts on surviving its next financial crisis by passing its losses on to unknowing Americans through their pension plans. Who pays Israel's bills? 
It has never been a secret that Israel has been kept alive from the beginning by the variously categorized donations from U.S. taxpayers, which the U.S. government calls foreign aid. But due to the declining purchasing power of the dollar, the more than $3 billion a year military aid is not nearly enough. Israel is looking for more money. It has always sold bonds to Jewish supporters worldwide. About a decade ago, it initiated a plan to sell bonds to many more Americans through states, cities, and retirement funds. These are dollars that keep U.S. local state government going and must not be at risk. Israel, a two-time loser with a secret to keep. We all know what happens to us if we continue borrowing. Israel knows too. The bond sales must be paid back or the maker must someday default. That is how bonds work because interest compounds on top of interest. This is what has happened to Cyprus banks. What is little known is that in its 65-year history, Israel has already reneged on its currency twice, washing away its debts by devaluing the underlying currency and then reissuing a new one and pretending it never happened. Israel hides her financial history cleverly with half-truths like this one. Quote, Israel has never missed an interest or principal payment on a bond, unquote. American state and local leaders accept or pretend to believe Israel's claim that it is solvent and buy Israel's bonds, I-bonds, with taxpayer money. Many conscientious American Zionists bought Israeli bonds in its first 20 years, I remember street sales in major cities. They were small change compared to the money borrowing machine now at work worldwide. The latest advertising by Israeli Development Corporation, IDC, an organization set up to market Israeli bonds, boasts that, quote, U.S. 2012 Israel bond sales set a new record with total investments exceeding $816 million. The sales represented a 29% increase over 2011. Worldwide sales also rose, surpassing $1.2 billion, unquote. It appears from the announcement that about two-thirds of Israel's bond sales are in the United States. This is in addition to the $3.0 billion in the foreign aid we are told the U.S. federal government gives to Israel every year. The IDC also claims, quote, Ohio Treasurer Josh Mandel completed the single largest Israel bond investment by a state, a $42 million purchase that increased the total amount of Israel bonds in the Ohio Treasury's portfolio to over $80 million, unquote. Do Ohioans know this? IDC claims 
that some 80 cities and state governments and employee pension plans have now invested their taxpayers' money in Israeli bonds. The January 1, 2013 prospectus for Jubilee 7th Series Israel Dollar Bonds obtained from IDC discloses that in the last two years they have sold $735 million of this one series in the U.S. The Jubilee series introduced a new audacious concept in that they are not payable in Israeli money but in U.S. dollars. And the prospectus warns in the last pages that no American has legal status to sue Israel for non-payment. It is fundamental to understand that Israel can never repay I-dollar bonds or even the generous interest it offers except by selling more and more I-dollar bonds. The reason is that only the U.S. can print dollars just as only Israel can print shekels. To do otherwise is called counterfeiting as we explained in our March 8th article how Israel is dodging its bad credit history by selling dollar bonds. Let us look at a few examples. The state of Colorado cannot legally invest in foreign government securities for very sound reasons. But Senate Bill 2013-137 would allow the Colorado treasurer to buy Israeli bonds, only Israeli bonds. We suspect Israel's lobbies are behind this bill. The bill was pulled from the Finance Committee hearing after a challenge in which this writer had a part was mounted. I discovered the real target was not the state treasury's temporary unspent tax money, but the mass of long-term funds managed by the Public Employees Retirement Associations, PERA, say, $40 billion. I asked PERA if it already owned Israeli bonds, and officials' email response was, quote, PERA does have investments with a market value of about $832,000 in more liquid publicly traded bonds issued by the State of Israel, unquote. It seems the change in law is not really needed in Colorado, The retirement fund billions may be invested wherever the managers decide. But Israel is not a safe investment choice any more than Cyprus is. Israel has organized 25 sales offices in the United States for the sale of I-bonds. Keep in mind that it must sell enough new bonds each year to pay off those that mature plus the cost of its sales staff, plus all the promotion and lobbying to legitimize sales in the U.S. and to fund whatever it is that Israel is raising the money for. Besides offering larger returns, Israel's bond salesmen use major deception to sell the bonds. They say in their advertising, quote, Israel has never missed payment of principal or interest since the first Israel bonds were issued in 1951, This is a half-truth used to deceive Americans 
Israel may have paid principal and interest, but did the currency they paid buy anything? As I detailed in my February 4, 2013 article, The Valuation Risk of Shekel Bonds, Israel's Achilles heel is its incredibly bad history of de facto defaults on past currencies by devaluation, which it has done twice to investors between 1948 and 1985. At its present, NIS, New Israeli Shekel, has lost some 59% of its value since being issued in 1986 to replace its worthless old shekel. Israel acts with such authority, its dismal credit history is hard to believe, but a surprising disclosure was printed a year ago in Israel's large daily Haaretz. Requiem for the Shekel states, quote, The state of Israel is only 64 years old, but it has had three different currencies. The lira, which replaced the Eretz Israel lira, then the old shekel, and then in 1985, the new shekel. Now, 26 years after that last change, the Bank of Israel is considering changing the name of the country's currency once again in 2013 when it issues a new series of banknotes. The new currency will probably be called the Israeli shekel, unquote. It seems the Israeli bankers reason that investors might wonder why a new shekel was needed unless something had gone amiss with the old shekel. The Haaretz story contained the following admission about Israel's pre-1986 years. Quote, We then entered a period of high inflation. The Treasury considered inflation of only 10% a month an achievement. Of course, the shekel lost value, and that same package of copies cost 10,000 shekels, unquote. A cup of coffee cost 20,000 shekels in regular restaurants and 30,000 shekels in expensive restaurants, and the currency's value declined every day. People stopped talking in shekels and started talking in dollars, and one dollar was worth 1,000 500 shekels. And then they said, all right, now we're dividing everything by 1,000 and invented the new shekel, unquote. Quote, the new shekel's value was set at 1,000 old shekels. The raging inflation had become hyperinflation, soaring to more than 500% a year. National debt shot up to more than 80% of GDP. Unquote. Yes, that was Israel, not Cyprus. Haaretz stops short of telling readers what this did to shekel bond holders. Yes, they may have been paid every shekel, but the shekel was worthless. We should ask, why would any American public official paid by taxpayers risk investing a dollar in a country with a history of losses and running what looks like a perpetual musical chairs bond scheme? 
Would your legislators loan taxpayer money to an investor who had gone through bankruptcy twice and is borrowing more money at every opportunity? The over-the-top risk of default for Israeli dollar bonds. No country wants to destroy its own money, especially not for a third time, which is why Jubilee Series 7, Israeli dollar-denominated bonds is such a brilliant scheme for Israel, giving it two currencies in circulation at the same time. Israel can, at any time, default on dollar bonds, payable mostly to Americans, and go on paying interest to Israelis on NIS-denominated bonds. As far as I know, this is unprecedented, making Israeli bankers de facto licensed dollar counterfeiters legitimized by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission that approved the Jubilee dollar bond prospectus. How different is this from printing USA $100 bills? You can find out if your state or city is investing in Israeli bonds with a couple of phone calls. It should be public information. I suggest you save what is left of local government by getting your church involved or by getting a couple of friends to join you in demanding that your officials sell all their Israeli bonds while they can. Think about those folks in Cyprus standing in line to get to the ATM machine in front of the bank. Thank you, Leslie, and thank you, Chuck. That was uh, another excellent, groundbreaking article that you uh, have uh, uncovered here, a lot of amazing facts. It's full of dull statistics, and I have lots more that I could reel off. But in listening to Leslie read this, I think we ought to just talk about simple concepts here and what little time we have left. At the bottom line of why we're doing all this, of course, is that Israel is part of the war machine that's keeping us constantly wrapped up in war. We give Israel $3 billion a year, which is called most of its military aid, Everybody has wondered how can they possibly run their huge military on only only $3 billion a year. And the answer is they are raising, uh, perpetually raising money through the sale of bonds, and about two-thirds of them appear to be sold in the United States. They also sell them in Europe and in other countries where you have sympathy for Israel that can be tapped into. So... What we're really dealing with here is this ongoing concern that we have about the war-based economy, and this is really part of it. It's uh, cycling American taxpayers or American individuals' money back into the Israeli war machine. And, of course, they're building settlements, they're occupying Palestine, they're doing other terrible and often mischievous things also with these dollars. And, of course, these dollars do need to be cut off, and that should be enough reason to oppose Israel raising money in America. Uh, However, the sheer Ponzi nature of the way they're going about this continuous fundraising, where one dollar of gold bonds is redeemed, comes due and is redeemed after 10 years, and $10 of new bonds are being sold to take its place. This is the problem that we're facing. Eventually, of course, there will be so many of these bonds outstanding that no one knows really what the, what the total of the outstanding bonds uh, sold in America really is. 
Well, it's certainly it's, very interesting, and of course, uh, one of the ways they support their military is through their exports of the, of their own weapons industry. So, you know, they sus- can sustain this. But as we point out in the past, there has been civil unrest by Jewish people in in Israel, even to the extreme of people burning themselves to death, setting themselves on fire because of uh, social problems. And of course. One way we know that people can be controlled is through perpetual wars. And you look at the call for war against Iran. This has been going on for at least six or seven years now. And, of course, the Israelis are masters at these kinds of things, and this helps get people, if they can think about their enemies, they may think less about the internal problems, but that only lasts for a certain while. And as we saw by some of this social unrest, it's kind of below the surface and could flare up at any time again. Right, Tom. I would sort of say this. It's all about war. It's about fundraising to make war, and that's, of course, the best reason to object to it. Default, what will happen Uh, It's unprecedented for a country, as far as I know, to issue two separate currencies. And Israel is, in effect, issuing dollars because when they issue a bond promising to pay somebody back, say, $1,000, they are essentially making a commitment in dollars, and that's the U.S.'s currency. The way they get away with this legally and the way they keep from having a battleship parked outside of Tel Aviv with the guns trained on the Federal Reserve Bank of Tel Aviv, uh, as, we, as we would no doubt do with any other country that started printing our currency, is uh, they have uh, had the blessing of government leaders, and that blessing has been passed on through this organization called the Securities and Exchange Commission that actually places a blessing on these issuance of securities by uh, approving a prospectus that uh, apparently that supposedly discloses the risks of this investment. So uh, here's Israel issuing dollar bonds and getting the United States Securities and Exchange Commission to uh, endorse their sale of the bonds, essentially, which is what a prospectus does. It, it, it permits the sale illegally in the United States. And then, of course, they go on uh, with this ruse of printing bonds payable in dollars when they have no capacity to print the dollars to pay them off. So in one of the publications I just uncovered today, gave a remarkable statistic. It was a Canadian Jewish organization, a big one, and it was a story written in 1962, and it said in 1962, Israel actually paid off $24.5 million of bonds issued in 1951. So here's some people that bought bonds in 51, and they actually got their money back in 1962. But by that time, Israel had had issued outstanding $563 million of bonds. In other words, 20 times as much had been issued as was redeemed. And in the story, it said that they thought this redemption would be work magic by convincing people of the stability of Israel and they would be able to sell many more bonds as a result of paying off $24.5 billion. This is a big Jewish organization called the JTS that made this statement boldly and bluntly. 
Then we have these other statements about now states starting to buy these securities, and also uh, in, the, in the state of Pennsylvania, a uh, story we saw today said that a law was passed only two or three years ago that allowed Pennsylvania for the first time to buy foreign securities, including Israeli securities, and they have now purchased $50 million worth for a while they had the record. So that was uh, Pennsylvania. Now Ohio seems to have the record, and God knows where they're going with the sale of these bonds. An important feature that I think we could discuss that people need to try to understand is that I've made a very blunt statement that Israel will eventually default on these dollar-issued securities. Eventually, the time will come when they have to pay off too many of them at maturity, and they won't have the money for some reason. Say it's a Cyprus-type situation. The amazing thing about this is Israel can simply default on their American bonds, their dollar-issued bonds, and go on with business as usual, paying the interest on their shekel-denominated bonds, which are the ones they sell to their local citizens, the people who live in Israel and their friends. So we basically have two classes of investors being built up, the suckers who are buying the American-backed bonds and the Israeli citizens who are buying the shekel-backed bonds. And the shekel has become stabilized in the last 10 years because Israel is able to pile up so many of these American bonds and sell them to American citizens. The problem is they're in now in the billions of dollars that they have outstanding. We don't know how many billion. And their latest issue is $1.235 billion, which they're busy selling right now. And these are all being sold in American bonds. And uh, the, the amount of bonds outstanding is now probably bigger than Israel's capacity to ever pay them off under any circumstances. So it is inevitable that Israel will eventually be forced to simply sting all of the people that buy the dollar bonds so that they can keep their shekel customers happy and their banks open. Their banks, of course, deal in shekels only, not in dollars. And their version of the Federal Reserve, of course, doesn't print dollars, it only prints shekels. So someone might ask, well, why don't they just go and buy dollars in the open market to pay off the American bonds? And the answer is the numbers are too big, the shekel is too small. If they started doing that, it would completely destroy the shekel overnight and they would have a new currency to replace the old one. I was just going to ask, it's in a nutshell, but do you think all this is in the best interest of the United States to be uh, buying these shekel bonds? It appears it is because Israel pays more interest on their dollar bonds than the Federal Reserve now pays on American-issued bonds in dollars. So you can get twice as much interest by buying the, the Israeli bonds. But of course, it's, dollar, it's buyer beware, because we know from the arithmetic that eventually somebody is going to have to lose their money. One investor may get out in time. He might be redeemed in time. But if someone has like a 10-year bond, these bonds cannot be sold. These dollar bonds must be held to maturity. So if you buy one today with your $10,000, Leslie, you will have it 10 years from now, and either it will default or it will pay off and you'll get your money. It will be one way or the other. And you have no way of knowing and absolutely nothing you can do about it once you go in. You are committed to the entire life of the bond. Whereas an American Treasury bond or Treasury bill has a market where you can sell it in the open market tomorrow if you want to get rid of it. So these bonds 
are non-saleable. They're illiquid, non-negotiable. They have a little clause in them that if the owner dies, he can ask Israel to redeem it early, or his heirs can. But he, you have to prove you died in order to, to get it redeemed early, and then only can it be redeemed by selling it back to the state of Israel. It seems like that's kind of a drawback, not being able to sell the bond and having to hold it to maturity. Well, uh, yes, and again, we, we are very much uh, limited in, in how much we know about who owns what kind of bonds. We know that the state of Colorado did not buy the dollar bonds. They have, in their pension plan for their employees, they have about uh, five or $600,000, maybe I think it's 800000 but it's a very small figure in this uh, big portfolio of $40 billion. And, of course, Israel has its eye on much bigger hunks of that portfolio. But these are long-term portfolios of people who have an actuarial retirement coming up in five years, 10 years, 15, or 20 years, or have already retired and are collecting out monthly payments. And so these pension funds buy long-term instruments. They might buy 10 years, 20-year, or 30-year bonds. So they might justify this by saying, we can afford to hold this for 10 years. But why they would buy something that Israel has a right to redeem at their will, I can't imagine. And of course, obviously, if they do this, they're ignoring Israel's credit history and the likelihood of these bonds paying off. By the way, they don't have a very high rating. Even the bald-faced rating agencies only give them an A- rating, which is almost meaningless in this day when these agencies rated bonds AAA that went bankrupt by the millions and billions back in 2008. Well, Chuck, that was excellent, and I hope folks that listen to this will pass this on after they read the article and listen to the report here and help spread the word. And rethink their investment portfolio. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, don't get caught with the dollar bonds. The people buying the shekel bonds are actually better off because you know that Israel is going to default first on the dollar bonds before they default on the bonds they sell to their own Israeli citizens and their own local banks in Israel. Right? That makes sense? Right. Yeah, it certainly does. It'll be interesting if this news report from Haritz comes true. That was written last year when they're expecting the new shekel to be called the shekel or some other denomination. It'll be interesting to see what... That if that does come about. Yes, Tom, however, a, a word on that. It's obviously not going to be a devaluation. It will be a one-for-one switch. If it was a devaluation, it would be done in the dark of night without any announcement, the way the banks were closed in uh, Cyprus. Over the weekend, a decree came down from the government that the banks would not open on Monday morning, and all people could do is get to their ATM machine. Since this was announced almost a year in advance by Haaretz, we know that this is not a devaluation. It's going to be a straight one-for-one switch. All they're doing is changing the name because they're trying to get out from under the idea that they change their currencies all the time. In other words, mm-hmm. if, there's a, if, they, if we now have the NIS, which means new Israeli shekel, then what happened to the OIS, the old Israeli shekel? Obviously, there had to be something that went wrong, and... They're worried about the PR of people thinking about this, so they're trying to eliminate that possibility by issuing yet another one that they would just call the plain old shekel. Probably they won't do it because it's such an obvious ploy that it would cause more 
curiosity that it will solve. So my guess is it won't happen. Well, thanks very Just much for that report. Okay. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.